0: So hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, joined here, of course, by my ever, ever wonderful co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how are you doing?
1: Doing great. Happy autumn, fall, or whatever you want to call it.
0: Really? And, you know, it's still hot here in L.A., but I did hear on the East Coast, it was very cool the, uh, last week, which was very interesting. I was like, well, can we send some of that this way, because we're burning <laughs> up over here with fires and everything else. Um, but I want to remind everybody that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so visit SuspenseMagazine.com. And then, of course, don't forget our anthology coming out November 17th called Nothing Good Happens After Midnight with authors Jeffrey Deaver and Linwood Barkley, John Lesquois, Heather Graham, and many, many others. So check that out, Nothing Good Happens hey, After Midnight, November 17th. John, John,
1: John, John. Yes. It just got a starred review in Publishers Weekly. You got to say that. It
0: just got a starred review in Publishers Weekly. Also, thank you for reminding me on that one. Yeah. I, I, I just say my opening so much that I don't. I just totally forgot. Yes, that's right. Starred review in Publishers Weekly. So that's very cool too. So make sh- again check that out. November seventeenth. We are very pleased today that we are going to be joined here by, and also that it, it's not specifically suspense. Uh, it's not you know thrillers. But her background is very much as a writer, as a marketer, as a speaker in the genres of, you know, outside a little bit more romantic. But it's very, very interesting because she's very, very good at what she does. And all writers, regardless of genre, she have a very interesting story that you need to tell. The book is called Goodbye Orchid. Her name, which I'm going to apologize now because I don't know if I'm going to say it right, and even though she's told me 17 times. So Carol Vandenhanda is the author that we're talking about. So hopefully I said that right. Carol, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing?
2: Hey, I'm doing great. You did a fine job pronouncing my name. Oh, I thank God.
0: Thank, so God hard. thank God. <laughs> Congratulations so on the
2: Star review. That is exciting.
0: It is. Yeah, we just found that out not too long ago. In fact, one of our authors, Lenwood Barkley, who's in there, he's the one who kind of emailed me and said, hey, I'm posting the story review from PW everywhere, and we're like, what? We didn't even know. So, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Um, That's amazing. But like we said, so your book is, you know, it's more on the romantic side, but, of course, there's always suspense and, you know, elements into it. And regardless of the genre, you always still have to write characters. You have to write setting. You have to write the scene. You have to do these things correctly, even though there might not be a killer going out there, you know, blowing people away. it, It doesn't really make a difference. But give us a little bit about Goodbye Orchid and your conceptual of how you put it together.
2: I would be happy to. And, you know, it's funny that you say it's, it's not suspense, which is true in terms of the genre. But I was on your website and I saw that you had defined suspense there. And you talk about it being a state of mental uncertainty um, with excitement and awaiting, you know, decisions or outcomes with some apprehension and anxiety And actually, I loved that definition because I would say there's elements of all of that in Goodbye, Orchid. And so let me share a little bit about um, the storyline and why I think there are certainly suspenseful elements to it, even if it might not fall within the suspense genre. I I actually consider it more contemporary fiction with romantic elements. And so Goodbye, Orchid, it's um, inspired by combat wounded veterans, and the main character, Phoenix Walker is not a a wounded veteran himself. He's not a military person, but he has an arc of an experience that a lot of our combat wounded veterans will will experience. And so, like them, he starts out at the top of his game. We meet him in Chapter 1, and he is this incredibly successful entrepreneur and CEO. He started his own advertising agency, which has a heart almost as big as his own, And um, his world is about to fall apart, although he does not know that because he's at the airport with the love of his life with Orchid Page, about to send her off on a business trip for six weeks, and he does not believe that today is goodbye. Of course, we know in the world of fiction that he's going to be proven wrong. A tragic accident befalls him in Chapter 1, which changes the entire arc of his life. And that forever change causes him to question himself, his own self-worth. It causes him to question the relationship he has with Orchid Page, whom he knows from their months of working together that she has trauma in her past. And it's caused her to be, although she's, you know, largely overcome it and been very successful as well, she is quite sensitive, sensitive to images of trauma. And when he wakes in the hospital longing for her, he actually realizes that he mo- might no longer be the person for her. And so he is faced with the hardest decision of his life. Whether to love her, he needs to leave her. And that is the central tension in Goodbye Orchid.
1: Well, I, I'm i curious, um, you say you were inspired by wounded veterans. Um it's really hard to write good fiction that deals with trauma. Uh so first I'm curious how did you handle writing about such traumatic things and were you inspired by people that you actually knew?
2: Yeah, such a good question. I've um heard you on other interviews asking about research. And Uh-oh. I say <laughs> yes. And I think it's a great question because sometimes, you know, readers might not realize the amount of research that goes into depicting things in a really authentic way, which was certainly my intention. If I'm going to represent experiences I haven't had myself, I'm going to come at them with utmost respect. And that respect played out by me really focusing in on researching correctly in order to represent that trauma on the page in a really authentic way. And so um, what my characters go through physically, you know, so the accident and what happens to Phoenix and the aftermath is not something I personally have experienced. Although what I would say is the emotions that the characters go through, you know, um, grief and denial and anger and fear are things I certainly can relate to. And so I try to put my authentic emotion on the page. But in terms of getting the factual parts right, I really took the research quite seriously, and so, um, you know, besides reading books and looking online, um, reading everything I could, I absolutely interviewed people who've been through these experiences um, and, you know, worked with them to ensure that not only were the medical and the um, actual things that happened, you know, things that actually could be credible, that things were um, appropriately represented but also the emotional journey, you know, that people go through as they are changed, as they, you know, recover, and um, the things that they feel.
0: Okay. Very Thank cool. You. And, and now, well, and is that kind of what you get into when, when you're kind of doing your speaking engagements and you're talking to writers? Because, again, you don't, have to, you don't really have to know the genre of what they're really talking about or what they're really writing about, but is that kind of how you like to, you know, kind of do your, speak, uh, your speaking engagements?
2: Yeah, so I speak on a few topics, which I'm really happy to share. And and you're right, the topics I speak on can span genres. In fact, I've spoken at um, Sisters in Crime, and I've spoken in children's book conferences, I've spoken in romance conferences, I've spoken in general fiction conferences. And the um, things that I have to share and that I teach are relevant across all of those genres, because basically what I'm doing is taking my deep expertise, having worked at, in, you know for years as a marketer, as a strategist, and I'm applying it for authors. And I come at it from an author-first mindset. And so the things I typically teach at conferences, I start with um, personal brands. And the idea that each of us as an author, although it might seem like a funny concept because we tend to think of brands as products or services, But actually, an author or any person can represent a brand, and I I simplify that concept down to what is your promise? You know, what's your promise to readers when they come to you? What's the benefit they're going to get? What's, you know, the thread or the theme of your work? And then I also speak about visual identity. Sometimes people conflate the two. They think that their website or their book covers are their brand, but really that's just the visual manifestation of your promise. And so I talk about how you can collaborate with designers to get great design and very happy to talk about Goodbye Orchid's cover if you want to. And then um, kind of the third leg of the stool for authors that's really useful beyond brand and beyond visual identity is thinking about marketing plans. And when I comment marketing plans and speak about this at conferences, a lot of my emphasis is thinking about the strategy and the objectives and the goals first for a moment before you jump into tactics. Because it's easy, you know, and a lot of people, you know, want to talk about the tactics, and there is a lot to learn there for sure. But I think my unique perspective I can bring is how to think about it strategically before jumping into that. And then the fourth, you know, maybe overarching piece that I've been um, sharing at conferences is about marketing mindset. And the reason I added that is I realized that authors, even if they sometimes know what they're supposed to do when they are marketing their books, There's something inside at times that hold them back or hold all of us back. You know, um, you hear, you know, people talking about, oh, I'm an introvert. I just want to write. I don't want to put myself out there. It feels icky to self-promote. And so sometimes I share the mindset shift that if the work you're doing, if the writing you're doing, you have some message to put out there. You have some good you're trying to do in the world or you're, you know, entertaining or giving people solace or comfort or whatever, that the spotlight doesn't have to be on you as an author, that you're, you know, self-promoting. But actually what you're doing is trying to find the people for whom that work is meaningful. And therefore your spotlight is on the audience or your spotlight is on the reader. And that actually eases things a bit. It's not about trying to chest-thump or, you know, um, grab attention. It's actually about doing the work that you're intended to do.
1: I, um John, I think we should have her host, and we should go away. I
0: think. <laughs> <laughs> she can host with me. I like to talk.
1: <laughs> I, know. Um, I know. I know. I, I definitely want to dive into some of this that you just talked about because it's fascinating. But before, yeah, and, every, even, and
0: every author, again, every author needs to listen because it's not about the genre. That's what we got to stress here. Stop thinking yeah. that you can only listen to people who write in your genre. That's not the case. People who write great stories, that's like saying, oh, I'm not going to listen to Hemingway because he doesn't write horror. How stupid could you be for that, you know? (laughs) So, yeah.
1: Uh, I want to know your publishing journey because um, I, you know, part of my thought process would think you'd be coming out with this book from, like, one of the big five publishers, and it's not. So I'm curious, what was your publishing journey for this, and how did you end up at, uh, is it Kohler Books?
2: Yes, I'm with Clover Books, and I'm I'm really happy, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But I um, am happy to share the journey, and I think it's heartening for many authors because they're going to hear similarity <laughs> to lots of journeys that I've heard. Um, because it's a multi-year journey, it probably starts seven years ago, and in fact, after you know, seven years ago, I started writing, um, went through an intense period of just you know really upskilling myself in craft, and then finding. Um, an amazing editor to work with and finding an amazing agent who also wanted to shape the work. And we did go to the big five initially. And I'll say that now that I look back, and obviously I don't have a contract with the big five, but my lesson learned from that was that I probably was um, making an assumption about genre that wasn't quite right. And therefore it didn't fit into their neat little bucket because um, in order for the big five to, you know, really know how to market a work, they're cutting things quite finely into these genres. And so, I had written a love story, and I thought I was I should be pitching romance editors. And now that I have the benefit of hindsight and have learned more, I realize, and that's why in, up front I'd said, you know, goodbye, Orchid. Really, is contemporary fiction with romantic elements. There's certainly a love story in there but it is so much about the hero's journey about the protagonist's you know change and the character arc and um what happens between them that isn't all about the romance that it really couldn't fit into that neat bucket and i can see now in hindsight um why those romance editors were like great work love it can it, you know, it's not fitting, this, um, this place we want to put it. And I, I think it's been um, great working with Kohler. And I, actually, the moment um, that John Kohler and I talked about signing the contract, he said to me, I am extending you this traditional contract and um, putting your work out there because I think it can do good in the world. And that just gave me, you know, made me feel great because this was my purpose in putting this book out um, and in continuing to write. It's, you know, I have a full-time job. I don't need the book to be able to feed my kids. But I do hope that it can inspire hope and empathy um, for people who are going through challenges and that it can do good in the world. And that's, um, you know, my, why I want it out there. And I loved that Kohler saw that, you know, that purpose in it. Great. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's, uh, and that's, again, that, that's, just, that's just lessons uh, <laughs> that, that, that people just need to learn. And you, how, and you've been doing this, I mean, how long have you have been in the game, like been in the writing game and doing this uh, for how long now?
2: Yeah, I mean, so you're probably defining the writing game as, you know, um, with an eye to publishing, and that I would call my journey seven years. Okay. But I have always loved Well, first, you know, as many of us started, loved reading from a very young age. I probably learned how to read when I was like three or four, (laughs) like even before going to school. But um, And then writing as a kid, as a teenager, um, all throughout my life in different ways, whether it be journaling or writing stories. um, And I actually do have an interesting path because um, I was, when I was going to college, wanted to be an English major. This was, you know, when I thought about Did you about, go to
0: Rutgers I, by any chance? Just curious. I
2: did. Yes, you did. So did my
0: dad. I know oh about Rutgers God. University, the State University of New Jersey. Scarlet <laughs> Knights, baby. Yeah? Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah? Yep, Rutgers State University of New Jersey. I was going to be an English major. I couldn't wait to write and study literature. Mm-hmm. But my um, traditional Chinese family had a slightly different idea for me. And so.
0: <laughs> I would say, yeah, I, I can see how that could be, yeah. <laughs> very traditional.
2: Yes, they said, "Well, that's that's really interesting. Um, but you're actually also really good at math and science?" Uh-huh. "Oh, so how about you try engineering or math and science first? <laughs> at least for a year. Just give it a year." Really? And you know, um the only thing that English and engineering have in common are the first 3 letters. Because they couldn't be more <laughs> yeah, <that's> diverse. True. <laughs> In terms of right brained versus left brained, you know, black and white versus completely grey and ambiguous, totally different worlds. And so it's um I certainly don't regret that I have my engineering degree and and you know, have had a wonderful career from technology to marketing with my MBA in strategy. and strategy. And that's the thing I wanna
0: and that's the thing I was gonna ask you about <laughs> is your marketing real quick. Yeah. Because I and, I and you know, and you're marketing in chocolate, which is freaking fantastic, but the thing is is that there's always basic marketing things that, of course, you probably talk about, and I don't know in the last seven years if you've had to change your things because of how the publishing world has changed, but what are some of a couple of the core values or the core things that when people are marketing, whether it's a book, whether it's a widget, whether, or no matter what it is, what are those things that they should know, especially if they're marketing themselves and their
2: work? Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you some of the maybe less expected things that you don't always hear about when you go to marketing um, seminars, you know. So I would say first when I – there's a um, workshop I give on crafting marketing plans. And the first thing I talk about is the quality of the product and how, you know, it's so important to – I actually talk about aiming for near perfect, you know, like – How good can you make the end product? And people are a little surprised because they're expecting a marketing um, presentation to start with social media or some kind of tactical thing. And because I'm coming at it from a very strategic point of view, um, I talk about that, you know, needing to first put your time and effort into the craft and what you're delivering, the experience you're delivering, has to be there. Because you could spend money and get people to – try your book but for them to repeat or come back again and be interested in your author work after that first time you need to have something that's really delivering um the other thing i talk about that maybe people aren't as maybe it doesn't pop into your mind as quickly is um clarity of your personal why and this ties back to the brand conversation we were having earlier and so to articulate you know the reason in which for which you're writing, and what you think that value is that you're putting into the world, that you're giving readers, um, so that your marketing also can be communicating that, and not only the storyline, but also the higher order you know, benefit. And then when I do put together my own marketing plans, and I, I, I did, I you know, put everything into practice that I teach at conferences when I um, put my own marketing plans together, then I really need to think about the um, experience or funnel that readers were going to go through in order to discover Goodbye Orchid, everything from awareness that could be either organically generated or you know if it, you know through paid ads, um, how I was going to communicate credibility. In my case, I've been so fortunate to that Goodbye Orchid' has been recognized by two book awards already, even before publication as well as being named on multiple um, most anticipated fall reads lists. And so that helps build credi- credibility as well as, um, you know, endorsements from best-selling authors and others who have read and love the work. And then there's always engagement with readers, um, and that's where a lot of the social media conversation comes in. And ultimately, how do you convert it to sales? And it's none of this is easy, you know, for sure, Um, people get tired of the marketing and complain about the marketing because it is a heavy lift. That's a lot to ask for any author to to know what to do, to do all of those things. The actual execution is a a busy, busy time. Um, I'm absolutely feeling it as well. But, you know, lucky for me, I guess... um, publisher's help in terms of getting distribution. And then I've also not been afraid to tap into help where I need it. I recognize I'm a mom of twins. I work full-time. I Actually, I'm volunteering as well. I'm on the board of directors for a special needs school, and I just became um, trained as a climate reality leader. So I recognize I certainly don't have full-time to be able to devote to the launch of my book, and so I've hired help where I think um, it makes sense, you know, whether it be – What are the specific things we need to do to have a great Amazon presence or even um, an assistant to help with administrative tasks, et cetera? And so I found that whole package to be um, helpful in terms of thinking of my own launch.
1: Very cool. Very
0: cool. Wow. Um,
1: um, So as we all know, uh, 2020 has been a year of nothing actually happening. So, um,
0: I have have something to say. I say we never say the, the numbers 2020 again. We just call it that year.
2: (laughs) I don't don't think we should
0: name it. (laughs)
1: 2020 usually means perfect vision, but uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Um,
1: How is your process in terms of what you teach as well as what you've been working on, how has that changed as a result of the fact that we're doing everything virtually now?
2: It's true that it's certainly a challenge, and you probably know as well, given that you're, you know, directing Thriller Fest, and I see, you know, from the website that it's um, planned to be a virtual event, um, and also speaking engagements. You know, um, it is – there's definitely a shift um, that – when things are virtual versus being in person, you miss a little of that energy that comes from being together live with people in a room. Although I feel like now, when I'm on Zoom or Teams or Skype calls, that it almost does feel like I'm actually in the room with the person. It just I can lose myself in that um, in that feeling. But I, I'm a kind of an optimistic person, so I try to look at the bright side of this, of, you know, being in lockdown, being quarantined. I've been working from home the last six and a half months. Um, And I guess the one, you know, upside I see as something quite concrete, even though it's hard, certainly hard, I absolutely recognize it's hard to launch in a virtual in a non-physical world. I've not been able to have a physical launch event. Is that the reach, you know, basically what we've done is we've broken down geographic boundaries. So that is no longer a barrier. You can have readers from anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world really take part, other than time zones, you know, you have to consider that. But your virtual events could have, you know, that broader reach because um, you're not bound by who's, you know, geographically close to you.
0: That's true. That's one thing I I do, I think about I, I always talk about you know, music a lot, too, because there's a lot of parallels between music and um, books, and there's an artist that just did something, his name is Joe Bonamassa, I don't know if you know of him, but he's a very popular artist, and he did a virtual concert, and actually sold 17,000 tickets
1: wow. um,
0: worldwide, that's a lot, I believe. Uh, he you know he he was playing in he was playing in a place that only holds two thousand and it sold seventeen thousand tickets, but you're right, it was because everything I like the way you talk about breaking down those geographical barriers because the I don't think that there's any part of the country that reads thrillers or reads suspense or romance or erotica more than any other place we're everywhere, and so I think it's important to go everywhere,
2: yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I- Great opportunity for all of us to be reaching out and to try to find ways to go everywhere, for sure. Now,
0: on your website, um, is that the best place for everyone to find everything out about you? Is it just carolvandenhanding.com? Is V A N D E N H E N D E V-A-N-D-E-N-H-E-N-D-E.com? Is that the best place?
2: Yes, carolvandenhenda.com is a great place. And if you do carolvandenhendecom slash writing, you can read about Goodbye Orchid. carolvandenhenda.com slash contact is a great way to sign up for my news- newsletter or to reach out to me. Um, also quite active on social media. And so maybe one easy place to look for all the social media links is Linktree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash C-V-D-H to find the places, you know, to reach me on um, Pinterest or BookBub or Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, et cetera, Goodreads, of course. And um, definitely reach out. I think what's interesting is that people have said this book is really great for book clubs as well, that um, it's actually very thought-provoking, given that it's inspired by combat wounded veterans. It deals with some really tough topics, um, It actually inspires lots of conversation, and there are amazing discussion questions at the end, and I have a book club kit, so absolutely reach out to me if you would like the book club kit.
1: Oh, that's great. And I'm curious, because you are such an expert in all these things that authors could use help with, Uh, do you take clients on?
2: It's such a great question, and I wish I could say yes, although I have to say at this moment I'm quite full up between the full-time job, really? the mom of twins, the climate reality leader, the board board member on a, for a special needs school, and then launching this book. And so um, what I would say is that come find me at a speaking event, and I'm very happy to share my wisdom because I do feel – um I'm I'm so satisfied when I'm able to help other authors. I love that. I love speaking at conferences. I love being able to help authors because I you know, people become authors in order to write and they don't you know, they didn't come in in order to be a marketer, <laughs> self-promoter, and so I can understand that that world is hard to navigate, and I'm um, very happy to do my part to help. I do have some speaking engagements coming up with IWWG, the International Women's Writing Guild, coming up in October, December, and I think they're booking me even for 2021 already. And so wow. my website is a good place uh, slash speaking <laughs> to find out where I'm speaking about these topics and very happy to share my knowledge there.
0: Nice. Well, That's Carol, cute. we want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been fabulous to speak with you.
2: I have loved it. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And, and the book drops October 1st, am I right?
2: Yes. Pub date is October 1st.
0: Nice. And is it going to be available in audio too or just print and ebook?
2: Audio is in the works, but okay. it is behind in terms of timing versus um, the October 1st date for the... Um, the October 1st date is actually for the paperback and the hardcover. The okay. ebook has a um, surprise soft launch. Um, it's actually releasing on... September twenty fourth. So, so it actually, okay,
0: so that's when yes. we're taping this. That's actually tomorrow.
2: It is. It is tomorrow. It's a yeah. very exciting time. <laughs> now,
0: just and, and real quick, are you doing your own audio book? Because not many authors could pull it off, but I think you could if you wanted to read your own. But I know that's a lot of time.
2: You're very kind to say that. So I'm at a bit of a juncture where I'm both um, interviewing and auditioning talent, mm-hmm. and also potentially considering myself. So there you go um, put you yourself might, in the mix.
0: Yeah, I
2: mean, I tend to be the type, if I approach any project, I really want to take it seriously. And so I've done a lot of research in this, and I recognize it's not just about reading aloud. You know, it's a performance. And so I'd have to feel like I could really deliver and deliver an amazing experience and that people would, you know, love this. That I could do the story justice because there's a ton of heart in this story. And so um, that's the juncture that I need to make that decision.
1: Well, good luck with that decision. And uh, very exciting and looking forward to this. And nothing but success for this book for you. And, yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly. This is great. Thank you again. We really appreciate it. it. So wish (laughs) you nothing but the best, and we will talk soon.
2: Yeah, and all the best to you as well. I know you all have a ton of amazing projects going on, so wishing you success as well.
0: Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye, Carol. Take care.
2: Take care.